This is an impressive group to me. Uh, you can see how heavily involved our church already is in this ministry, and we haven't even officially launched it yet. And so what they can tell you, they've been, every person you see up here, including myself, has been to a love life prayer. And the purpose in doing this is just to see how involved our church is and how it's not just the leadership. Um, and so if you have any questions about this ministry and what it's really about, you can see the people here uh, who've been a part of it. And so, and I won't keep you up here long, but I, I just want to see how this come about. So several, several months ago, God had placed it in my, in my heart that I wish that our church had a ministry of life around this whole issue of abortion. And so I had even expressed that in the office one Monday. But I'm not a reinvent the wheel guy. Ingenuity is not my strong suit. And lo and behold, uh, at Durham Ministers in Prayer, just a couple months after that, a lady by the name of Beth Mull came with Love Life. She's one of the directors. And she began to tell about this, this ministry about life. And, and, and what, was, what was tough for me was they, they, they're in Raleigh. They're all over the state. They're actually all over the country. And, and, and Greg Stevens is, going, is with Love Life. He's going to come up today. And Greg, if I, I say anything wrong, just come up here and say, the guy don't know what he's talking about. Let me correct him. But, but they, what she said is they have a lot of partner churches in Raleigh. She said, but we don't have any representation in Durham. And she said that amongst, you know, a group of pastors. And to me, that was an indictment on the Church of Durham. But it hasn't really been launched in Durham. And so the purpose of her being at Durham Ministers in Prayer was to get local Durham churches involved. And when I said, all right, this must be the Lord leading us to a ministry that's already doing it well. What do I need to try to come up with something for? All we have to do is partner with someone who's doing it well. And, and so we did that. And, and we've already been to several of their prayers, many of them in Chapel Hill. I think most of these here have been in Chapel Hill. I've been to the one in Raleigh. Uh, after, after this launch today, the, the prayer that we'll be attending this Saturday, we'll, that's kind of their training hub. And then after that, we'll be meeting here in Chapel Hill. Uh, it's the first Saturday of every month. My, my desire is that this ministry is so ingrained in Bethel, and I see that it's getting that way, that the first one first Saturday it might be five or six people from Bethel or more. The next Saturday it might be a different group. It's just you'll know exactly when it is, what time it is, where to meet, and go and pray. And you're going to hear more about this ministry uh, as we go through. So I just want to thank all these folks up here for, for being a part of it. Michael took our youth, and they've, they've done it. And so I still think there's a stigma to this. I think people are afraid there's going to be a bunch of screaming and hollering and sign holding, but it's not. It's a ministry of life. And I really believe that every church today should partner with at least two ministries. One is a ministry to the homeless and the down and out. And we do that with Pastor David Smith with Under the Bridge. And the next is a ministry of life. And so I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see our church partner with this. I want to thank all of you and just thank you for being a part of it. And uh, I look forward to praying with each of you in the future at, at, uh, at, 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 at our prayer site. So thank you for coming up. So Greg Stevens with Love Life, and for you all who know Dean Pageant, if you saw him, you might have thought it was him for a moment. You might have did a double take because he favors him a lot to me. Uh, he'll be coming up shortly. He, he spoke at the event I went at, Raleigh. I don't want to take up too much time because he's, he's a great dynamic speaker, and he's passionate about this issue. And so I won't be before you long, but I, there's a few things I do want to talk about this issue, three points I want to make. And first is this. This is not a political issue. And just because it's been in the news lately, just because it's, I think, the number two issue today in politics behind the economy and people saying it's, you know, what's going to drive the voting, just because all those things does not make it a political issue. It's first a righteousness issue. It's first a biblical issue. And just because the society has started to step in and make it a political issue, I think what's happened is the church has had a tendency to pull back away from it because we don't want to be seen as being political. What I'm afraid of, I'm afraid of the reason where we are in our society today is because the church has been pushed back into a corner, afraid to speak because we'll be afraid to be political. Where God speaks, I think we need to stand up and speak. And so, yes, are we going to be vilified? Yes, are you going to be called names? Yes, yes, a hundred times yes. But I understand that's Satan's way of trying to keep the church quiet. And so this is not a political issue. Why? Because our God is a God of life. 
pastor used this scripture last Sunday in his sermon, Jeremiah 1 and 5. God said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And every single human being that is born is conceived. It's not, it, it may not have been what a person planned, but it's not a mistake. God had formed them already. He already had a plan for them. I don't know if you've seen all the, the media attention recently around Aaron Judge. He just hit, was the home run leader now. And it's come out that he's adopted. Now, I don't know the backstory around his mom and all those things. But here's the thing. In today's society, they would have been quick to say, if it's not convenient, just have the abortion, have the abortion. And here's Aaron Judge, and from everything I can read about him, he's a solid believer. His parents raised him to know the Lord. And so I have a feeling before Aaron Judge was even formed in the womb, God knew this guy right here is going to be a national stage because he's going to be an awesome athlete, but he's going to represent my name before the world. So it's not a political issue. And it's also a chance for us to show the nation that we're not just anti-abortion. Christians are tagged anti. We're anti-everything. But we're pro-life. And I'm afraid that because of the Roe v. Wade case, and I thank God for that, and there's been a lot of people, a lot of Christians who fought hard to see that happen. But that's really just a springboard. It's just the beginning for us to say, okay, because we have to be compassionate to know there's young ladies that end up in a position where they're thinking, how am I going to afford this? What is going to happen? That we now as a church need to say what we're supposed to say and supposed to do is say, come and let us walk with you through this. Let us help you financially. Let us help you see that you can do this. And many churches are partnering to do that. This is not the time to shrink back, but it's a time to make a bold stand on what we know is right. Hebrews 10, 39, the writer of Hebrews wrote this, and this was the last verse of that, of that uh, chapter, and he was referring to being reproached, being called names, and those things are going to happen, and it's going to get worse. But he said this, but we, are not, we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. So we're not to those who shrink back. God over and over says, be strong, be courageous. He goes with us, and we'll see that more as we go through so it's not a political issue. Next, it's not just a woman's issue or a women's health issue. I think many times that's the way it's framed, and then men pull back and say, well, I'm not a woman. You know, this is not my issue. It is, it is first a man's issue. Could you, could you imagine if all of a sudden there was a revival in, in, the, in the nation of men? What do you think would happen to the abortion rate? It would plummet because men would stand up and be men of God. And even if they got sinned and put themselves in a bad situation, it'd be like, I'm not going to make a, a, a bad thing worse. I need to step up. We've heard those testimonies here. If you've been here, you've heard the testimony of the Sidonias with an unwanted pregnancy. And now we have a young lady who has been such a blessing to our church over the years because God knew Isabel before he formed her in the womb. And he knew what a blessing she would be to his kingdom through her. And so it's not just a women's issue. I like what the writer of 1 Corinthians says in 16, 13, and this is in the English Standard Version. And Paul writing to the church at Corinth, and clearly he was speaking to men, he said this, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, and be strong. We need men to start acting like men. That's, that's just what it boils down to. We need men to start acting like men and be men and be strong and be stern in their faith. And in that, be Proverbs 27, 17, men, as iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. If we know of a man that's got himself in a situation and we know about it, we need a man to come along and say, you need to do what's right here. You need to do what's right. So it's not just a women's health issue. And lastly, and probably most importantly, there is forgiveness and hope. If statistics are correct, there's a high probability that someone here has had an abortion or knows someone who has. As we stand for the truth of life, we must also have the message of grace and forgiveness. Christians are often seen as judgmental, and many times we earn that tag. But there's not a sin that God will not forgive if we come to him with a true, repentant heart. All of us have something we've had to repent for, and we'll have something we have to repent for again. And I'm thankful that he's a God of forgiveness and hope. 
Psalm 86 and 5 says, For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. And in this service where it's the issue of life, or maybe there's some other sin in your life that you've dealt with that's nagged at you, I want you to know there's if you call upon the name of the Lord, He will save you, He will forgive you, and He'll forgive you of the shame of sin. As I thought through these remarks, I couldn't help but how much the story of the woman caught in the act of adultery parallels this issue. The Bible says that this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. Now, you can use your own imagination of what was going on there, but she's caught, she busts out running. These wild-eyed, self-righteous leaders of that time are chasing her with rocks. They're going to kill her. My question is, where's the guy? And that's the question that comes up so many times in this year. Where's the dude? Why won't, they, why won't somebody in there ready to stone him? He got a pass. And it does seem like a lot of times that the women are left with this, to deal with this, because the guy, he's not a man. He's done hit the road. And Greg will probably mention this, but many times he's the one pressuring the woman to do this. But this woman is running for her life. She falls from exhaustion. These guys are chasing her, ready to kill her. The Mosaic Law says she should die, but she collapses at the feet of Jesus. And I see him stepping in between them and her and the Bible says he begins to write on the ground. Don't, I wish I knew what he wrote. But he doesn't tell us. Some have speculated. They speculated maybe he was writing the sins of those who were standing there holding the rocks because he could see their hearts. I've always wondered, maybe one of the cats in the, with the stone had maybe even been with the woman and he was writing that down. I don't know. But he was writing something. And he looked at her, them and he said, let you without sin cast the first stone. And I don't know about you, but that would make me drop my rock. And they dropped their rocks. And then he looked at her. It wasn't over. He looked at her and he said, woman, where are your accusers? He said, I don't have any. He said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. You come to the Lord. He's gracious and forgiving. He wants to forgive you. He wants to change your life. And he will do that. And we're here to help you do that if you would like to do that. We have a personal testimony this morning from one of our own. She took a courageous step a few months ago and put this out on Facebook. And man, it was so encouraging to me because it took a lot of courage to do it. But I am convinced that God is going to use this testimony and use Christy West to help women and men that find themselves in this situation. Sister Christy, she asked this morning, she asked, could she give this testimony before the church? Hi, church. So, Brother Larry had some amazing points, um, and I've been trying for years to figure out what my testimony is and how I could give it. And being introduced to Love Life, I found my testimony. So, I'm going to read it because I don't want to mess it up. But <laughs> So, I'm a strong advocate against abortion and was through my teen years up until I got pregnant out of wedlock and thought my whole world was over. <sighs> trying to get emotional here, sorry. I thought, I can't afford a child. I can't raise a child at my age. I'm not ready to be a mom. I don't even know if I want to be married or what my goals are or who I am. I was very confused and mortified at the thought of telling my parents or the church. But none of those were good reasons to do what I did. I had an abortion. But my own OBGYN doctor told me it's not yet viable and it's only a mass of cells because it could be done right then, and for fear of any other option, I took the easy way out and had a DNC. I didn't take time to go home and talk to my family. Um, I didn't take time to pray about it or research other options. And it hurt more than physical pain. It hurt to my core. All I kept thinking is, this is a real baby, my baby, God's gift. And I thought, God must surely have turned his back on me at this point because I committed the worst of the Ten Commandments. My sorrow for the child I would never know, and the anger at all my self-betrayal as a Christian almost caused me to take my own life many times. It was only for almost 30 years of carrying the weight of my decision that I realized that if Jesus forgives, then I should too, and that includes myself. Oh my God, you're so good. 
So this poem was one I wrote afterward and a brief glimpse into the years of hurt and remorse. I caught it silent arms. <clears throat> I ghost in my arms, crying to be held. will never know the touch of your mother's love beheld. You will never hear the words of love I could have shared. Never know what it feels like to know I truly cared. <sighs> I see you up in heaven with a tear in your little eye. Do you hear my sorrow? Do you hear the tears for you? I cry. On my knees, I beg God's forgiveness. Without hesitation, he said, Dear child, I do. If I could only know for sure that you forgive me too. The grief is real and can be destructive, but confessing it was so freeing. And I know now that God never turned his back on me. He carried me. Now I have a healthier, more beautiful way of seeing my child in heaven and constantly feel the Holy Spirit moving in my life. I have three beautiful children that I can minister to and, and pray for daily, and um, God gave me them to take care of and to, to raise in his sight. In Hebrews, the author says to fix your eyes upon Jesus, because when we build that personal relationship with him, humbly reading his word, daily praying and talking with him and put away our sinful ways, we really see him for who he is and, for, and begin to see ourselves as we really are. Thank you, God. I see a lot, people, a lot of people wiping tears. I'm, I'm fighting mine back here, too. I just want you to hug her neck, ladies, when this is over. Get hold to her and hug her neck and let her know we love her. It took courage to do that. It took courage. And so, Christy, thank you. And God's going to use you in your testimony. You're an example of what God, how God says he gives beauty for ashes. And he does give beauty for ashes. Well, at this time, it's my privilege to uh, welcome Greg Stevens to come join us. From Love Life. I met him the first time I went to Raleigh. Um, and, you know, when he speaks, he's passionate about this. And so I was privileged. I said, look, I want you to come. And uh, so he did. He joined us this morning. I want to get you all, if you'll please welcome Greg Stevens from Love Life. Morning. Thank you for that testimony. It's powerful, huh? God gives grace to the humble. Um, so my name is Greg, and it's such a blessing to be here. Thank you, Pastor Larry, Pastor Don, Bethel. You guys taken a bold stand for the Lord and a bold stand for life. Amen. So I've been one of the missionaries with Love Life since 2018, and we're seeing God do an awesome work here in the Triangle area. And I want to open up with a short video, and this video just really captures kind of the whole vision of the ministry, and then I'll come up right after that and uh, take you guys through a PowerPoint presentation that kind of gives you the lay of the land, okay? I didn't know who Christ was until almost three years ago. It was something that I believed in, but I didn't have a passion about being pro-life and standing for babies. Day and age that we're living in and all the turbulent times going on right now, uh, that wasn't a time to be a Christian that was sitting on the bench. I learned about Love Life in February, at the end of February. I started volunteering and going out there on the sidewalk. January the 24th of 2021 is when we first started Love Life in here in Southern California. We went to our boot camp training in February. It was like, well, let's, <laughs> let's do it. So I walk up and there's nobody on the sidewalk. And I say, Lord, okay, there's only five more minutes left. And I ran over really quick. And this young, beautiful woman rolls down her window about this much. <laughs> and she said, yes. And I looked at her and I smiled and I said, I don't know what you are here for. But if you have missed your menstrual cycle, your baby has a heartbeat, 10 fingers and 10 toes, and I can show you what your baby looks like today. When I was young, I had an abortion. I was 21. I was pregnant the second time. I had a miscarriage, and I was devastated because I really wanted to keep the baby. And sitting there in the ultrasound with her, 
I told her she gave me a present that no money could ever compare. It was a blessing to see a baby on an ultrasound because I didn't get that on my first. And I got to hear a heartbeat because I never found one with my second baby. It was a Thursday and I said, tomorrow is Good Friday. Would you like to go to church with me on Easter? And she said, yeah, that would be nice. We went to church, we sat together, and at the very end when Pastor Jack did the altar call, it was so beautiful. She got up. A woman I just met about a week in front of an abortion clinic is now choosing not only life for her baby, but eternity with the Lord. I found out that I was pregnant at three months. I already had in my head, like, I wanted someone to change my mind or give me some type of hope or something before I go in there. I was just, like, so excited. Like, I just wanted to tear up a little bit. I was just so happy to see a life moving in me. I just knew in my heart that I was keeping her. Because that day, like, I called everyone. I was like, I'm keeping my baby. I don't care what anyone thinks, I'm keeping her. <laughs> Receiving a, a text message that not only was a baby saved, but a, a mom is now a part of the family of God. I remember when Anna called and told me, and her, I think her exact words were, it was an amazing day of grace. We had a, a gender reveal party for her. We had a baby shower for her. The word got to me that she's being baptized by Pastor Jack. And, and she, wa she wants you to be there, to be a part. It's a, t a moment I'll never forget. As she came out of the water, just the laughter and, and realized, thank you, Jesus. Were we just a part of like a miracle, a life being saved? And then more stories start happening and more women start getting saved. This happened last week and this happened yesterday. In Riverside, in Corona. I pray to the God of heaven and earth, watch him work, and then we will see revival in our land. I pray that love life will spread faster than the wildfires we have here in California. And I want it to be a revival. God calls us to do things that we think are impossible because God wants to stretch you. He wanted to stretch me. You see God start to change your life, even if you're not looking for it. Lord is moving her. He is using her. She's even actually gone out and is now counseling and trying to encourage other girls to keep their babies. I know God is moving in her life and he's not gonna stop. Just looking at baby names, I see Namara and I'm like, oh, I never, that's a nice name. It also means grace of God. So I was just like, oh, she's my little grace of God. So that's why I chose her name. I don't want to just have these beautiful young women at these clinics choose life for their baby. I want to walk in life with them. And this is why Love Life has just changed me. But I know the Lord's hands is in it because he's changed my heart a heart of stone into a heart of flesh. So that just kind of gives you a picture of what God is doing right now, um, not in Love Life, but through the local church. So um, as we go through these few slides, I just wanted to start with that video because I think it really captures how God uses the entire body of Christ, right? It's not just one person's gift. It's not just one ministry. It's the whole body from, from the sidewalks all the way up to the senior pastor, right? There's no unemployment in the kingdom of God, right? This is an all hands on deck, right? We believe there's, there's no such thing as an unwanted child. God wants every baby to have a life, to be loved, to have a home, to have a family. They may be unplanned, they may be unexpected, they may be inconvenient, but they're not unwanted. Amen? So um, let's go to the next slide. So what is the mission of Love Life? Love Life is uniting and mobilizing local churches to create a culture of love and life that will bring an end to the abortion crisis and the adoption and foster care crisis in our cities, right? So we wanna change the culture in such a way that when a young woman, when a young man has an unplanned pregnancy, they stop 
running to the local abortion center and they start running to the local church. Right? Right? For so many, when they find themselves with an unplanned pregnancy, the first thing they're thinking is, where's the abortion clinic? We want to change that to where the first thing they think about is, where's a local church that can help me? We want to change the culture. Amen? We want to create a pipeline directly from the local church to the abortion center and dry up the demand for abortion. That's the mission. Um, So Love Life does this. So the way that God is using Love Life to unite and mobilize local churches is what we do is we come in and we host 40 consecutive weeks of Saturday morning prayer walks, okay? These Saturday morning prayer walks are not field trips, they're mission trips for the local church to come and pray, right? So imagine with me 40 weeks, that's 39 weeks in the womb and a 40th week celebration of life, 40 weeks from February to November where one local church in the triangle adopts one of those weeks. And that adoption week is divided into four parts where you hear about it on a Sunday morning, you pray and fast as a church, and then you come out and see uh, and pray outside the abortion center. And then we have lots of opportunities for you to get connected beyond the prayer walk if you feel led. Imagine 40 different churches in the area all signing up to hear about abortion, to pray and fast, and then to come and pray on the front lines, and then to partner together to become a place of refuge for all these young families that need help. That's what, that's what God's doing in Love Life all over the country. We can go to the next slide, please. So for too long, we have waited on the government to change this, right? And we praise God for the victories that we've had, especially this year, you know, with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. There have been saints throughout history that have invested their entire life's ministry in overturning Roe v. Wade, and they've died and gone into glory and not been able to see what we have seen this year. Amen? So we're building on the shoulders of giants, so to speak, but we can't wait for the government. The government doesn't change the culture. The government follows the culture. God has called the church, right? The church to change the culture. And so that's our goal, is not to wait for the politicians, but um, for the church to rise up and be who God's called us to be. So um, the vision of love life is really, the principles are drawn out of the book of Nehemiah. And if you remember in the Old Testament, Nehemiah was a man uh, called by God, right? And if you remember, it was during a time when uh, the nation of Israel had been taken captive, right? Into Babylon, into slavery. And it was there that Jerusalem and the temple and the walls were in ruin. They were broken. And Nehemiah first heard about the brokenness and the ruin. And then he prayed and he fasted and God opened the door for him to go and see it with his own eyes. So we use that principle when thinking about abortion. First, we need to hear about the ruin and the wreckage that that abortion has brought upon our land. And so uh, the next slide, please. This is the tragic truth of abortion in the United States. Abortion is the leading cause of death for people made in the image of God. It's number one on the list, more than cancer, more than heart disease, more than COVID, more than accidents, more than drugs. Abortion is the leading cause of death for people made in the image of God. Before the overturning of Roe v. Wade, it was 17,000 a week, okay, You think about that, that's one baby about every 36 seconds being aborted. And many states don't have to report their numbers, so it could be significantly higher than that. In some some states, abortion is allowed all the way up to the day of their birthday. Statistically, one in four women in the United States will have abortion. And this is not just a woman's issue, amen? This is a man's issue. 
That means one in four men also. And we want to encourage men, as it's already been said, uh, to take responsibility, right? To rise up, to take responsibility for the children they help to create. And as it's already been said, a lot of times, uh, if the man, if the young boyfriend or husband will just say, come on, let's just keep this baby, she doesn't feel left alone. She doesn't feel that she's got to do this all by herself. She feels support. And the, and the baby's life is spared just when a young man rises up and is a man, the way that God's created him to be. But when you think about it, 25% of our women have abortion in their past. That, that's a huge statistic, right? That's a huge demographic in our country. When they interview women after they get abortions, they'll do post-abortive interviews. Up to 54% identify as Christians, many of them having been in church within the past month. If you add Roman Catholic statistics to that, 73% identify with some kind of a Christian worldview. Guys, this is a church issue. This is the church's responsibility, right? This is not, this is not a problem with the darkness. This is a lack of light, amen? And so as a ministry with Love Life, you know, we're not out there to curse the darkness. We're out there to shine the light of Christ, right? We're not shouting down the darkness we're lifting up and shining the light of Christ. We don't focus on the sin of abortion. We focus on the life of Christ. Amen? But this is the tragic truth. This is the ruin. This is the wreckage. These are the broken walls in our land, right? Jesus said the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But he put a comma there. He didn't put a period. He said, but I have come that they may have life and life abundantly. Amen. So we have enough life to share, right? Let's go to the next slide, please. So with those statistics, obviously, if there are 25% of the women in our culture that have abortion, there's a, there's a good possibility that many women in our churches, many young men or older men, and older women have had abortion in their past. And we want to encourage you and remind you, this is not about shame and condemnation. This is about hope and restoration. You know, God loves to forgive sin. You guys know that? God loves to forgive sin. He loves to forgive the sin of abortion. And the Bible says if anyone's in Christ right? They become a new creation. All the old things pass away. Behold, all things become new, right? That if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from some unrighteousness. Is that what it says? No, that, that's in first hypocriticals, right? No, it says cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Just one drip, one drop of the blood of Christ, cleanses from all unrighteousness. It's good news. We have good news to share. Amen, saints? All right, we can go to the next slide. So that's the ruin. Let's look at the rebuilding that God has been doing since 2016. So 2016 is when Love Life started. Love Life started on the sidewalk of the abortion center in Charlotte. Charlotte has the busiest abortion center in the Southeast United States. Not Florida, Charlotte, North Carolina, has the busiest abortion clinic in the Southeast United States. And in 2016, a young businessman had a meeting with a couple of his buddies. They said, hey, we want to have a business meeting. And they met on the sidewalk of the busiest abortion clinic in the Southeast United States, and his buddy said, we're just gonna pray. And they stood on the sidewalk and they prayed, and he was able to see all the cars coming in, and his heart was broken. Not just for the moms and the dads going to get abortions, but his heart was broken. Where's the church? Where's the church? You know, the local abortion center is the only place in our cities that you can predict the time and the location that broken and hurting people are showing up on a regular basis and children are scheduled to die. It's the mission field. 
And so his heart broke. How can we mobilize the church? And it was through his time in prayer with the Lord and in reading through Nehemiah that God downloaded the strategy of how to mobilize the churches. In 2016, they had their first prayer walk outside the abortion center. It was 30 people. Since then, uh, looking down uh, three, three rows there, over 128,000 people have come out to pray since 2016. We've seen incredible numbers. Just um, this past year, or total, we've seen uh, 4,280 babies saved. This is through Love Life nationally. In Raleigh, it says 66, but I just had to correct my numbers yesterday. 75 babies have been saved this year in the triangle as a result of the churches uniting and mobilizing. Out of those 75 families, five families are being mentored right now and being discipled, being absorbed into the local church, because that's the goal, right? We don't want them just to survive parenting. We want them to thrive as disciples and to, to discover God's plan for their life. So the goal is that every family that finds themselves with an unplanned pregnancy would not just get diapers and help for the baby, but that they would be absorbed into a local church and be mentored and loved on and discipled. Amen? So we have seen up to a 70% drop in abortions on Wednesdays and Saturdays. Wednesdays are a day of prayer and fasting, and Saturdays are the days of prayer walks. Since the beginning of this year, we've seen a 38% drop in the abortions, and that was before Roe v. Wade. So God was answering the prayers of his people. The more, the more the church shows up to pray, the more saints increase, the more abortion decreases. And God is giving us visible uh, fruit to see, visible results uh, as an answer to prayer. We have over, uh, uh, let's see, this year we have 2,800, over 2,800 people have come out to pray in Raleigh. Um, we have over 500 partnering churches in the Raleigh area. We have 52 churches that have partnered, like you guys, partnered together to work together to see abortion end here in our area. We've seen 45 abortion workers leave the industry. This is nationally. You know, it's not just about the life of the baby, amen? We want the doctors, the workers, the nurses, the administrators, the people that answer the phones, we want them to know Christ and to be saved. So this is a full-orbed, you know, kingdom of God gospel mission. Um, and we have seen over 3,000 people get connected beyond the prayer walks. A hundred people have risen up to get involved in either sidewalk ministry, um, mentoring, post-abortive care. You know, we do believe that if you have abortion in your past, like it's, we've seen people, you know, they come to Christ and you're forgiven, right? They know they're forgiven, but they don't feel free, right? And so people can live for years forgiven, but not feeling free. They're still just bound by that shame and that regret. And we want to encourage people to get plugged in and post a board of Bible studies, healing Bible studies, to where they can just be released and free. Amen? Because some of our greatest ministers out there on the front lines have abortion in their past. And God takes that tragedy and turns it into a triumph, right? So one person's ministry at one season in their life becomes a ministry in the next season of their life. So um, that's how God is rebuilding. Uh, let's go to the next slide. So this is a prayer ministry, right? We believe that prayer is the key. So as I said, we're not going, this is not a political movement. We're not protesting. We're not picketing. We're not activists. We're not whacktivists, right? We're out there just to pray. Jesus said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. We know there's a lot of mystery, but God, God has chosen to do his greatest work through history, through prayer movements. Amen. You just see it. And so this is a prayer movement that is happening across the land. And think about it. This is not just where people are gathering to pray in a nice warm building or air-conditioned atmosphere or a nice park. This is where you have Christians from different brands and denominations that love the Lord and love life uniting to pray 
on the devil's front porch. That in and of itself is a miracle. Never in the history of the American pro-life movement have we seen anything like this, where churches of different denominations are gathering together weekly throughout the year to pray together and to lift up the Lord Jesus. So this is a prayer movement. So the next, uh, the next slide is actually a video. It'll give you a quick vision, it's two minutes. It'll give you a quick picture of what the prayer walk looks like that we're asking you to come to on Saturday. So that just kind of gives you a picture of what the prayer walk's like. It's different in every city. And just so you know, this is happening all across the United States. So Love Life is in the four corners of the United States, and, and we're moving in, right? And, and the goal, the idea would be that um, every abortion center in the United States would have a regular, compassionate Christian witness there, offering them a divine detour a divine detour from abortion into the local church and into the kingdom of God. And so uh, let's go to the next slide, please. So I mentioned that we host 40 consecutive prayer weeks from uh, prayer walks from February all the way to November. And each week we ask a local church to adopt that week. Well, this is your week. This is your adoption week, and this week is divided into four parts, and those four parts are taken out of the book of Nehemiah. The first part is to hear, to hear about the brokenness and the ruin and the tragic truth of abortion in our land. That's this morning. That's where you're being made aware. That's where you're being reminded, oh yeah, this is the greatest moral issue of our time in our country. This is what God has called us to take care of. So you're hearing about it today. We're asking you as a church to pray and to fast on Wednesday. And God honors it. God blesses it. And uh, so this Wednesday, and we will, uh, we will send out some prayer points and some, some information on that this Wednesday. And then this Saturday, we're asking you as a church to come to Raleigh to one of our abortion centers where Love Life will help facilitate a safe, family-friendly prayer walk. 
It's not a political protest. Don't bring any signs, okay? You don't have to talk to anybody but God, right? And we're asking you to come. As a matter of fact, you know, the best sign you can hold is your child. So bring your children, right? Because if they're, they are going to be exposed to this, and we believe this is a discipleship opportunity for families. And so if your children are going to be exposed to it and learn about it, the best place for that is right with their parents in the local church with their pastors. Amen? So um, this Saturday, we're asking you to come to our Saturday morning prayer walk. It's from 9 to 1030, and it goes by really quick. And you know, every single Christian has the spiritual gift of prayer, right? So this is not just for one sort of gifted person out there, right? Every one of us can pray. And then after Saturday, if you feel led, right, this is not, you're not being voluntold to do anything here. Um, If you feel led to get plugged in in any other area of ministry, we have a connection table and we offer training, we offer mentoring in all kinds of different areas if you feel led to do that. So that's this week. Um, Let's go to the next slide, please. So we are calling you to action, asking you to put your compassion into action. In uh, 1 John, it says, this is how we know what love is, that Jesus Christ laid his life down for us, and we ought to lay our lives down for our brothers and sisters, and not love with words or speech, but with action and in truth. We all know the story. Am am I okay on time? I'm landing the plane. Am I okay? Okay. Because, you know, you give a preacher a microphone, and he just won't turn it off, but... Right? We, we all know the story of the Good Samaritan, right? You guys know the story, right? A man was beaten up, chewed up, and spit out into a ditch and left to die. And who walked by? It was the minister, right? The priest who knew the word of God walked by and ignored him, right? And then following the priest, who was, I think, it was a Levite, who knew the law, probably had more Bible memorized than most Christians have read, right? This guy could have just, he, he knew the Lord. And what did he do? He ignored him. But then you had the Samaritan, right? The, they were known as the half-breed, right? Their, his theology probably was not perfect. And he walked by And he saw the man and he was moved with compassion. And he was a doer of the word, not just a hearer. And he got off his animal. He went down. He helped heal the man. But he didn't do it all. He put the man on his animal and he took him to an innkeeper, right? And it was there at the innkeeper that he got full and complete healing. And so that's kind of the two-handed approach of love life is we believe that, you know, as these families are being chewed up and spit out by the world and by abortion and by the lies of the enemy, and they're left right there in the ditch walking into the abortion clinic, we want some good Samaritans on the front lines there. And I can tell you this. There are priests and Levites out there that could probably do it better, say it better, look better, act better, but they're not out there. That's why sometimes it looks like the wild, wild west is because it's the Samaritans that are out there. Here I am, Lord, send me. The Lord's like, all right. He uses whoever shows up. But we don't want to just leave them on the front lines. The Good Samaritans want to take them to a pregnancy care center, to a local church to get full and complete healing, right? That's the two-handed approach. The outreach and the discipleship and mentorship. That's what we want to see happen in our community. So we're encouraging you to come out Saturday, not to do ministry to those going in. There's already going to be people there, but just to pray. Let's go to the next slide, please. So we're not going to read that, but we do have a code of conduct, all right? And again, we're just asking that you would honor the Lord. You know, we, we realize the stigma, right, that's attached to abortion ministry, right, that, that people are terrified of, <laughs> really, right? If, if we were asking you to come and pray at the park, it'd be a lot less spiritual warfare, right? 
but we realize the stigma that's attached to this. So we're just asking that everybody would commit, you know, to just honor the Lord with their countenance, you know, with their hearts. Uh, we do ask uh, that you would leave your firearms in the glove box because we do have to get a permit, so it's a state thing, you know, and there could be drama there. But we do ask you to follow the code of conduct. You can go to the next slide, please. So in your vision booklet, if you don't have one, I, you, you probably got one coming in the front door. If you don't have one, I have extras. Just raise your hand. Anybody? All right, y'all got one? In this vision booklet, towards the back, there's a sign-up sheet. I want to encourage you to sign up for Saturday. And what we'll do is we'll get you plugged in, and we will email you the directions and the details for this Saturday. And we will also get you prayer points and information for Wednesday. Okay. And this vision booklet also has everything that I just said. So it's just a review of, of everything you've heard this morning. Let's go to the next slide. There's also a QR code in there. If you just scan it with your phone, it'll take you directly to the sign-up sheet. And just so you know, this is week 36. So when it asks you to sign up, you're going to have to click a section. It's going to ask, what week are you signing up for? Out of the 40 weeks, this is week 36. That's your adoption week. And you're also going to plug in that you're signing up for the Triangle, North Carolina Triangle Prayer Walk. Go ahead and go to the next slide, please. Uh, we've got, if, you, if that video encouraged you, if any of those videos encouraged you, uh, we've got more videos online. And also, Love Life is spreading through word of mouth. I mean, that's how we're all just hearing about it, is somebody told somebody that told somebody. So listen, as you're hearing about this this morning, people are going to filter and process this all different, right? But you've got people in your circle of influence, that this is interesting to them. This is important to them. You know, there's two responses people have usually on going to the abortion center and doing a prayer walk. You tell them that you did that, and there's people that are like, what? You did what? Oh, you're one of those? And they're just kind of repulsed by it, right? But then there's others. We call it low-hanging fruit. Is when you say, hey, we went to the abortion center and we prayed. Wait, you did what? And they lean in. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? What did you guys do? Were you like yelling at them and throwing stuff at them? No, no, we didn't do any of that. You just prayed? Yeah, what happened? And there it, listen, you want to share love life with that person. That's low-hanging fruit. So I want to encourage you to spread the word. Go ahead and go to the next slide, please. That's a picture of the Raleigh Prayer Walk. So... We usually, uh, we'll, you'll show up, we'll get everybody signed in, we'll give a short introduction, and then we'll walk to the abortion center, and we stay on a, it's in a cul-de-sac, and we stay on an island away from the abortion center, and we pray uh, as a community, we pray through four prayer points, and then we walk back, and we walk past the pregnancy care center, and we pray for them, and then we wrap up with a group picture. Now, if you have a hard time walking, don't feel like you can walk it, we have valet parking for you. So, no, what we have is we have a man that has a van, and if you can't make the walk, we can load you up in a van, drive you around, and drop you off right there after the prayer points are over, pick you up, and bring you right back to your car. Okay, we can do that not for 100 people, but for a few, okay? Uh, that's Pat, so you want to contact him when you get there. We will make him visible to you. So I just want to close with a quote. Francis Schaeffer said this. He said, every abortion clinic needs a sign out front that says this, open by permission of the local church. This is our responsibility. These places exist because the church has fallen asleep in many areas. So we want to shine the light of Christ. We want to bring the life and the love of Christ. And so I want to thank you guys so much for standing in the gap. Listen, after this, after the service, um, we have an information table. If you have any questions, concerns, I'll be there. Looking forward to seeing everybody Saturday. Larry, I'm done. Come up and take over. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate the partnership. God bless you guys. So that's it.
Um, it's not as scary as it sounds. I, I will say the first time I went to Raleigh, I was a little apprehensive myself. But, but when I gathered there and it was other people there, and Greg, if I'm not mistaken, there will be other churches sat this Saturday, correct? Okay, because Beth said there would be another couple. So there's going to be quite a few of us out there. And I think there's safety and security and a sense of empowerment in numbers. And, and it's my desire that next year when we decide to pick a week or, or whatever, that I look out amongst this church and I see a sea of blue uh, where everybody here has, has participated in, in an event. And so um, I'm going to ask uh, the praise team if they'll come forward and we're going we're gonna to close it with our altar time. You know, Pastor Don said something this morning. I think we got a firsthand account of that from Sister Christie's testimony is that people, we, know, we don't even know what people are dealing with because sometimes they won't tell us. You know, they hold it in. I'm guilty of that. But all the time we're around people somewhere who are hurting. They're dealing with something. And we should gather around and pray. And, and so I'm going to ask this praise team uh, when they start singing. The first thing I'd like to do is ask Greg and his, and his wife, Angela. Did I get that right? And his kids. He brought his whole family. If they'll come stand down here. And um, I want to thank him and, and the Love Life Ministry for what they do. And I hope that you'll, you'll come. You will be getting some emails this week. It, you got an email from me Sunday evening, I think, that went out to the church. It may have come out Monday. It had a link to that sign-up thing that Greg gave you. It had a link to the QR code. But, but at least stop by the table after church. See Greg, and let's get signed up. I'd like to know how many are coming. I do plan to meet here at the church Saturday if you want to follow someone over. It's off Durley Road, so it's not that far. It's not deep into Raleigh. On a Saturday morning, I imagine from the church, we'll get there, I think, in about, I think we got there in about 25 minutes when we went before. Um, it's very structured. They do a great job. We get there, we gather, we pray, we walk over, we pray, and we come back. And so that's how, that's how it works. So, Greg, will you and your family come, come forward to the altar? And as they begin to sing, I'm just going to ask us, the church, let's please stand. And I'm going to ask as Greg and his family comes forward, if the rest of the church, let's come down, let's gather around. Let's have, they're going to sing, I Speak Jesus. Let's just have a short time of worship and, and come together, please, if you want to go ahead and come forward to the altar. Um, and let's just have a time of worship if you want to gather around Greg and his family and, and gather around each other. And this morning, the altar's open, folks. You're free to come down. This morning, if you have something you're dealing with, if there's somebody you'd like to talk to, what I have noticed lately is that when we have our prayer time, we ask for folks to raise their hands, and a lot of times we don't see a lot of hands go up, and that's okay. But then what we've noticed is as Matt and the team continues to pray when the service is officially dismissed, I'll see this pocket over here praying with each other, and I'll see this pocket over here praying with each other, because the thing is, you have relationships in this church that I know nothing about. I mean, I know about your relationships, but you have people that you feel comfortable talking to, and that's good. We're supposed to minister to one another. So as they begin to sing, and we're going to pray, and I'm going to ask some of you to gather around, put your hands on Greg, and a few of the ladies to put your hands on Angela, and so let's just have a short time of worship and prayer, then we will call for any specific needs.
Hallelujah. Speak the name of Jesus. I speak Jesus. Hallelujah. Your name is power. that song break every stronghold I don't know if you have a stronghold in your life if you have chains in your life that bind you allow the Holy Spirit to break that stronghold hallelujah this has been a different service but this has been a great service Greg thank you so much Angela well I tell you if he don't, they don't have some nice looking young men and just as stair steps. Boom, boom, boom. I think the youngest one's the leader, though. He's, uh, he's got it going. He's got it going. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Larry. He does a lot in this church. Let me say, he does a lot, Larry Smith. And he does it well. There's nothing that he puts his hand. I've said And I mean it. There's nothing he puts his hand to, whether it's behind his pulpit or whether it's out there in the yard or whatever. There's nothing he puts his hand to that he don't do it well. I love him a lot. It's good to see all of you. God forms. Satan deforms. And Jesus transforms. Let me say it again. I love that. We'll finish that next week. Because God wants to transform lives. Signing, uh, you know, joining the church, signing something, and uh, that's not, people's lives need the change. God forms. We looked at that last Sunday. Satan deforms. Peter, Satan desires to sift you as wheat. But I prayed for you. I mean, you know, we have an intercessor. Amen. It's not just your mom, your dad, or brother, or sister, or pastor. It's not just Paul or Jesus Christ is our intercessor. Amen. So next Sunday, God forms. Satan deforms. God, does he ever try to destroy you? The Bible says, and it was quoted, the enemy comes not but to kill, to steal, and destroy. One translation said, the only reason he comes. So if the enemy comes and starts talking, the only reason he's there, certainly it's not to help you, build you up, bless you. God forms. Satan deforms. But Jesus. Father, we thank you this morning. You change lives. You change families. You change nations. God, as we think about what's going on in our mission field today, Brother Moses Chowdhury there in India, there in Vijayawada, Hyderabad, and other places of southern India, people's lives are being changed. As you think of Marty there in Nicaragua that we've supported for over 60 years. 
works. We've been there several times and we see people's lives changed, transformed, made from an ugly old caterpillar to a beautiful butterfly. Transformation takes place. If it's in India, if it's in Nicaragua, if it's, Lord, in, 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 in Mexico, if it's in here and locally, thank you. Thank you for changing lives. Bless this congregation as we go. Keep us in your care. Watch over us. And we'll give you praise in Christ's name. And everybody says, Amen. God bless you as you go. Carol.